Help keep Kinks and Beats Daily alive with a $4 monthly contribution and receive exclusive bonus episodes as our thank you to you. Visit herohabit.com slash shop for more details. Kings and Beats Daily. I'm your host, Tony Fry. Today we are on episode 171. Thank you for downloading. If you're new to the show, you got a lot of catching up to do. Um, before we get to the song, I want to remind everyone to give me a phone call, 925-494-1739, and let me know of a Beatles or Kinks song that you've changed your opinion on. Why did you change your opinion? How did your opinion change? Did you hate it when you were a kid? Love it now? Did you love it when you were a kid? Hate it now? How did it change? Why did it change? All of it. And if you've got five songs that you can think of, send me five voicemails. That number is 925-494-1739. Also, you can call that number anytime and uh, leave a voicemail if you want to talk about another specific song um, that maybe we've covered already or that we haven't covered. And I do, uh, I will include all of them on this podcast at some point. Uh, If it's something we've already covered, it'll be on a bonus episode. If we haven't covered it yet, I stockpile them for future episodes. But we're going to cover all the songs, so if you've got something to say, uh, let me hear it. Today we are talking about the song Yesterday by the the um, the Beat, Beatless. Uh, it was released August 6, 1965 on the album Help and released as a single on the U- in the US on September 13, 1965, backed with Act Naturally. Song was written by Paul McCartney, and he is the only member of the Beatles to appear on the track. As such, this is the first track to only feature a single member of the band. Um, there would, of course, be several more over the course of their career, but this was the first, and it's also the first to feature um, a string quartet, which is, you know, the beginning of their experimentation in the studio. Paul's spoken a million times about writing the song, so we won't get into that um, here. But it was a bit of a huge leap for the band to have only Paul appear on a record and to have a string quartet accompany him. And while this wasn't the first time strings had been on a pop song, um, it's still a giant leap for the Beatles. I mean, Buddy Holly was using strings. But Buddy Holly was also using strings on his sappiest tunes. And that and, and we'll talk about, you know, Paul was a little bit reluctant to release this one because of that. Yesterday holds the record for most cover versions of a pop tune and has been included in many, many best songs of lists. You know, best songs of dot, 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 nine, you know, best songs of rock and roll, best songs of the 20th century, best whatever. Um, it's, it's often on those lists. Track was recorded June 14th, 1965 with Paul on vocals and acoustic guitar. He recorded it live. So he did the guitar and vocals live. He did two takes on this day. And prior to these two takes, he also recorded I've Just Seen a Face and I'm Down, the vocal parts for those songs, which are three very different vocal styles. And the fact that his voice sounds so clean on Yesterday after shredding several takes of I'm Down is really a testament to his power at the time. And it's also a likely contributor to the vocal struggles that he faces today because he admits that he doesn't take care of his voice. You know, he doesn't have a bottle of water on stage when he performs. He doesn't do warm-ups or exercises or all that. And I think, you know, maybe as he got older into his 40s, 50s, 60s, he was still a little cocky from the powers that he had in his 20s to be able to scream, I'm down, and then go sing yesterday without so much as a crack in his voice. Um, But I think that did contribute to the struggles that his voice has now. 
And that's it. That's the entire recording process. Two takes and some strings. And one of the best-selling, most covered, highly regarded songs of the Beatles catalog was done. Two takes. You know, by their standards, that's a throwaway. You know, we're talking about the guy who, for Obladi, you know, we talked about it in that episode, spent like 60 hours in the studio recording Obladi, Oblada, and then did two takes of what would become his most famous legendary song. Like I said, Paul was nervous about the song. Uh, He feared that it was corny or that the strings made it too sweet. George Martin says that, that Paul was really against it sounding too sappy or too saccharine. And I think that's funny because he is the Beatle that will very soon within the next year or two, um, be accused of writing grandma music and being too sweet and saccharine and all that kind of stuff. But at least in 1965, he was conscious of avoiding that. Um, but he did contribute to the string arrangement. You know, he, he, he gave his input on it. It wasn't just George Martin doing that. And he's happily cashed the royalty checks for 50 years. So I think he got past his trepidation. This was a huge hit everywhere, but the UK, but the van band uh, vetoed the idea of releasing yesterday as a single in the UK because he was the only one on it, because it was such a huge departure from what their other songs had sounded like at that time. And and they had that power in the UK to say, nope, this isn't going to be a single. But in the US, especially in 1965, they didn't really have that power and the, and the you know capital released it anyway. So in the US discography, this is the single between Help and Day Tripper. So you can see if you've got Help as your single and... Day Tripper slash We Can Work It Out coming out. I You can kind of see how Yesterday is not really the single you want out in the middle. You, you guys are established as a rock band, and now we've got a string quartet. Um, the recording of this track is actually pretty interesting from a guitar standpoint because what Paul did was he lowered his strings a whole step. So the whole guitar is tuned a whole step down. And then he played in the key of G. Right, so he's playing a G chord, G shape, on the cor- on the guitar, but since everything is tuned down, it actually sounds like the key of F. And if you listen to the anthology, you can hear him talking to somebody. I don't know if he's talking to George Harrison, um, because maybe they were talking about, you know, flushing out the arrangement, or he's talking to George Martin um, for the sake of the string arrangement. But he is talking where he says, um, you know, I'm playing a G. That's a F for you. He's talking about that. And it's, I kind of, when I first heard the anthology, I thought it was because someone was playing with a capo and somebody wasn't, but it's actually because he is tuned down a whole step. And what this does is it allows him to play the chords in a comfortable position. A G chord is easier to play than an F chord. Um, and it also lends itself to the bass and sh- strumming accompaniment that he was doing right so on the low strings. So when he's doing this, he can't do that in the key of F because he runs out of, if he's starting here, that note's going to be on the first string. He's got nowhere to go. But to tune everything down and play it as a G, he's starting on the third string. So he's got room to do that bass movement. Whoops, sorry. He's got room to do that bass movement now on the low strings. Um, which gives it a little bit more support to his vocals. Uh, But it also keeps his vocal 
in a range that he's comfortable with. Cause had he just played it in G and, you know, and just, and just not uh, transpose his guitar and just played the song in G, his vocal would be too high. And so this puts the song in a key that really suits his voice um, without sacrificing the notes and the tones that he wants to hit on the guitar. So that's um, why some of those guitar sounds, the, some of the guitar notes sound so low because he's actually hitting on a drop D on the low E string. It also explains why you had a hard time playing it when all the sheet music was written in F. I used to try to play this out of my um, Beatles songbook when I was first learning guitar and I could not figure out how to get it done because they just say F. It doesn't say, you know, drop down and switch to G and all that. It's just written in the key that it's, you know, recorded in. And I could never get it right and and it never sounds good. That's how you do it. You, you detune the guitar. Um, the first chord he hits in the verse is a one chord. He starts on the G. We are in the key of G. He starts on a G. And then he immediately begins to shift to the relative minor. But he does it in a deceptive way. So remember, we talked about relative minors where they share the same key signature. So the key of G major and the key of E minor have the same key signature. They both have one sharp in the key signature. So that's what I mean by relative minor. And so... Um, what he does is he plays an F sharp minor chord. Okay. So after the G, he goes to F sharp minor, but F sharp is not a minor chord in the key of G. It's a diminished chord. And it's also a diminished chord in the key of E minor. So he's um, setting us up for a transition in the E major in a way. Because he's, by making that minor and then following it with a B7, he's kind of establishing a 2-5-1 pattern. All right? But by making the F-sharp minor to a B7, you would usually land on an E major. So you would usually go F-sharp minor to B7 to E major. So it would be like... That's how that's the transition you would make to go to E major. But instead of landing on the E major, he lands on an E minor chord. So it's deceptive. He's he's pulling us away from key, the key of G by making that F sharp minor and by making a B7 chord, which doesn't belong in the key of G. Um, but then deceives us. So now we're in E minor. So to recap, in the first bar he's in G major, in the second bar he does a 2-5 in E major. But in the third bar he resolves to E minor because the 5 chord in E major and the 5 chord in E harmonic minor is the same. Are you still with me? I know. I should do a totally separate podcast just on music theory. Then he uses a descending bass line to take us to a C chord which is the four chord of the key of G. Okay, so are we back into G? Because it seems like it may be, right? Then to a D7 chord, which is the dominant chord in the key of G. 
So in five bars, we've been in G major, E minor, and back to G. So he's, in five measures, he's really bouncing back and forth between um, G major and E minor. But then within two beats, he's using a descending bass line again to lead us to an E minor 7 chord. Now this isn't the same type of E minor that we just had. Because he's adding that 7th and following it with an A7, he's doing another 2-5 pattern. And this 2-5 pattern um, would resolve to D major. But instead of landing on D, he lands back on the C, which is the 4 chord in G, and then does a plagal cadence back to the home key. And a plagal cadence is like the Amen cadence at the end of religious music. It's a 4 to a 1. So he's doing the... That's a plagal cadence. I know this is stupid to talk about, um, especially if you aren't interested in music theory, but it does speak to the beauty of the song. It never really is anchored in a key for too long. And in fact, it's barely anchored in major or minor tonality for too long. And I think that adds to the melancholy nature of this song. A lot of people confuse this as a love song. I don't understand why, but I've heard it a lot. This is a breakup song. And this is a song about a man who is both mourning for the loss of his relationship um, today, but reminiscing about the good times that they once had and trying to figure out where he went wrong and longing for when the times were better. And I think musically, all this stuff, this this tiptoeing between major and minor and and this deception into, you know, deceiving you into thinking that you're going to a major key, but resolving into minor and then backtracking back into the major, all this kind of stuff. It, it adds to the torment that the singer is singing about as much or more than the words do. It's a terribly simple song, but it's the simplicity that makes it beautiful in my opinion. And I don't really count this among my favorite Beatles songs. I mean, obviously, it's on the list of good Beatles songs. I don't hate this song or anything, but it's not one if you were to say, name your 20 favorite Beatles songs. Yesterday's not on that list. Um, but I can't deny that it's gorgeous and not overly simple, but not overly complex. It's just simple enough and just complex enough, and it's a perfect composition, which is why it's so difficult to find a bad cover of this song. And you have so many to choose from. So really listen to this tune with a musical ear. Not just, you know, the ear that you've listened to it to for for 50 plus years with, you know, passively. Actively listen to it and especially listen to the lower notes on the guitar and where it's leading you and and how it's leading you into these different tonalities and and I didn't even talk about the bridge where it totally shifts into another key. Um but the, the chords on this, it's really a musical journey. And I, I just think it's beautiful. And I know, you know, saying yesterday's a good song is hardly the insight that you're probably looking for when you listen to a Beatles podcast. But I mean, I just spent 15 minutes talking about the driest, most boring portions of this song. What's left other than to say it's good? Maybe you don't like this song, though. Maybe this is a song you used to like and you don't like anymore or that you never liked and now you have a new appreciation for, let me know if that's the case. 925-494-1739. Tell me about 
how your opinion of a Kinks or Beatles song has changed over the years. If you ever want to get a hold of me, whether the voicemail or email or to contribute for bonus content, you can always find our, us at herohabit.com. And on the podcast button, you'll see a link to Kinks and Beats Daily. It's got all the information you want to know, including uh, an easy way to find what songs we've already covered on the podcast. All right. I will talk to you next time. Thank you for downloading. Make sure you swing by iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Talk to you next time. This podcast is presented by the Hero Habit Podcast Network. Swing by HeroHabit.com today to comment on this episode and poke around our growing database of sports and pop culture news, reviews, and collectibles. HeroHabit.com. Collect your heroes.